Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Hi, Trinity Western University family. What an honor for me to connect with you all. Um, over the word of God today. I don't think there is a better honor for lovers of Jesus like you and I than the one that we have today. And so my name is Delphine Fanfon. I am coming to you today all the way from Cameroon. Cameroon is in Central Africa for those of you who do not know that. And oh, by the way, I have, I think I have a map behind me and I can show you Cameroon is right here on the map of Africa. So that gives you a visual of where it is that I am I'm sharing the word with you today. Uh, thanks again, Reverend, Reverend James Ellis, for this opportunity to, to, to share together, to reflect on this passage, James chapter two, from verse 14 to verse 26. Let us open in prayer as we as we begin. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege that I have to share your word with my brothers and sisters so, so many miles away. Thank you for technology and thank you that we get to do this. Above all, thank you for Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how they continue to shed light on your words. We pray that that would happen today as we look at this passage. Father, speak to each one of us at the places where we need to hear you the most and grant that our lives will be all the more better for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our text for today um, is the second half of the of the chapter two of James, of the book of James. In the first part, James warns against prejudice. In fact, James is, his entire book calls attention to um, you and I, how can we live, practically live the Christian life in our day, um, especially now when we are, we are navigating, we come to this passage at a time when the world is going through a pandemic. I am sure that if we had the time, we would hear countless individual stories, yours that you have had as well as mine. And then we would also probably know more stories, stories of loved ones and other friends, and maybe just random stories of strangers that we read online. But there is no doubt that the world is going through a season like none other. And so this brings additional challenges to an already challenging life, the one that you and I as children of God are called to live. And so today we shall be meditating on the topic dynamic faith in a challenging world. Dynamic faith in a challenging world. 
in, in James chapter 2, verse 14 opens with a question. And James is asking, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? What good is it? The answer to this question, I believe, holds not just a greater joy for us as children of God. I think he also holds lots of answers and solutions to the problems that the world is navigating. And so as we meditate on what dynamic faith looks like, let's start by looking at the two other kinds of faith that James talks about in this passage from verse 15. To verse 17, James talks about the first kind of faith. He says, suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, faith is dead and useless. That's the first kind of faith that James talks about, dead faith. What does it look like? People with dead faith substitutes words for deeds. They know the correct vocabulary for prayer and testimony, and they can even quote the right verses from the Bible but their walk does not measure up to their talk. They think that their words are as good as their works, but they are wrong. I don't know about you and the context where you live, but the gap between the Christian's walk and the talk only seems to be growing wider in my part of the world. There are lots and lots of stories about Christians or so who have failed to live up to that title in the different places where they have been placed. And so as we get into this text today, would you qualify your faith as dead faith? You know, the thing I love about the Holy Spirit is if something isn't right, you know it as well as he does. And he always finds ways to show that to you. How closely related or how closely uh, aligned is your talk and your walk as a child of God today, as you study, as you invest time in, in learning the word and hearing the word being taught and being, being preached to you from different platforms and different podiums, does your walk get closer to your talk or does that gap only grow wider? If it grows wide, I hate to say, your faith is dead faith. It was John Calvin who wrote, he said, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. And so the word alone used in James chapter 2 verse 17, it means by itself. True saving faith can never be by itself. It always brings life and life produces good works. And so if you want to know why good works are such a big deal to James, I think this is why. Because our saving faith, it brings life, the kind of life that produces good works, that transform the lives of those who profess to be people of faith, as well as the lives of, the of those in the communities that surround them. That's the first kind of faith that we see James talking about in chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. From verse 18 to 20, he describes a second kind of faith. 
And he says in verse 18, now someone may argue. Some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? The second kind of faith that, that, that James draws our attention to is demonic faith. The man with dead faith is touched only in his intellect. But the demons are not only touched, right? They are also touched in their emotions. They believe and they tremble. A person, you see, this is a sad reality, that a person can be enlightened in his mind and even stirred in his heart and still be lost forever. Does your faith end at the intellectual and the emotional planes? Or does it go beyond that? So the third kind of faith which we see James describing by, by the life of two examples, don't you like that? That in talking about dead faith and demonic faith, he talks about it. He just says, okay, it's like this and it's like that. But in talking about dynamic faith, the focus of our, our meditation today, he gives examples. Now let's take a look at those examples. Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. Now verse 25 introduces another example. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. That is dynamic faith. It's not a faith that just believes and ends there. No, it is a faith that obeys regardless of the consequences that are bound to follow. James illustrates this doctrine in the lives of two very well-known Bible personas. Number one is Abraham and number two is Rahab. But you couldn't find two people that were more different than these two, right? Abraham was a Jew. 
Rahab, on the other hand, was a Gentile. Abraham was a godly man and Rahab was a sinful, sinful woman. She was a harlot. Abraham was the friend of God while Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. Two characters so sharply different from each other. And yet, what did they have in common? Both of them exercised saving faith in God. That is a perf there is a perfect relationship between faith and works. As someone has rightly expressed it, Abraham was not saved by faith plus works. He was saved by faith that works. I think that's where the disconnect is. When we treat faith and works as two separate things, then we can get caught in almost denying the veracity of scripture as we are going to see. But when our faith works, that's what saved Abraham. That's what James is referring to here. How was Abraham justified by works? In James chapter 2 verse 21, how could he be justified by works when he had already been justified by faith, right? In Romans chapter 4, we see the Apostle Paul talking about Abraham and talking about Abraham being justified by his faith. So how then can James suddenly be saying he was justified by works? Is James contradicting Paul? Absolutely not. By faith, Abraham was justified before God and his righteousness was declared by God. And then by works, Abraham was justified before men and his righteousness was demonstrated. You see why James had to give us those examples? His faith was demonstrated. His works were a demonstration of his faith and hence his, a confirmation of his justification by faith. Dynamic faith obeys God and proves itself in daily life and daily works. Unfortunately, today we still have church members who fit the description given in the book of Titus when Paul was writing to Titus. In Titus chapter 1 verse 16, it says, they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. Very, very sadly so. I'm sure that you know a few people for whom that statement can be true. Paul equally went on, still in the book of Titus, to say, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you affirm constantly, that they who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Titus chapter 3, verse 8. And so you see that our faith and our works go together. Our works are a demonstration of dynamic faith. That's how Abraham was justified by works. That's why the example of Abraham's life counts. Now let's look at Rahab, the second example that James gives us here. Rahab responded with her mind and her emotions. Check. So like mind, check. Emotions, check. But then she also responded with her will. She did something about it. She risked her own life to protect the Jewish spies. And then she further risked the life of her family and even her life further by sharing the good news with the different members in her family. Rahab was under no obligation to do this. Now, look a little bit. Let's look back a little bit at Abraham. You know, he was called by God and he, God told him, I'm going to take you. He had an ongoing relationship with God, which 
may could have put some pressure on him. He may have felt like, okay, I need to do this right in order to be, you know, this person that God has called me to be. And and yeah, maybe. I don't I'm not saying that that's what he did, but perhaps, right? Don't you get there sometimes where it's like, okay, what is everybody else going to say right now? You know? So so there is there is an extent to which we can't deny that sometimes who we are can put pressure on what we do. But now let's look at Rahab. Rahab was under no such obligation. Everyone knew her to be a harlot. She could have gone about her business as usual. She could have had just dead faith that knew she had heard these things about the children of God. She could have limited her, her faith to a, a mere intellectual experience. Or she could have had demonic faith. Uh, she could have, you know, been stirred in her heart emotionally. But she didn't end there. She exercised dynamic faith. Her mind knew the truth. Her heart was stirred by the truth and her will acted on the truth. She proved her faith by her works. What is the Holy Spirit stirring your heart about today as a child of God? As you continue to walk in obedience with him, what stirring are you sensing in your heart and what are you going to do about it? It is important that each, part, each professing Christian should continually examine his own heart and his own life and make sure that he possesses or she possesses true saving faith. What we're calling dynamic faith. The world is only going to get more challenging. Scripture tells us it's only going to get worse before Jesus comes back and it gets ultimately forever better. And so I want to leave you with this charge. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith and prove your own selves. How will you prove yourselves? By demonstrating dynamic faith, the kind of faith that obeys in spite of consequences. We each, as we continue to walk this walk, are going to get stirrings in our hearts that are unique to who God has made us to be, but also to the purposes that he has for our lives. And it's only dynamic faith, a faith that is willing to obey, regardless of the consequences, that can move us from a place of just dead faith in our minds or demonic faith in our minds and our emotions to a place of dynamic faith that proves itself in action. Satan is the great deceiver. And if he can, he, he can convince you that counterfeit faith is true faith, then he has you in his powers. If he can convince you that dead faith is enough, then he has derailed you from what you should be living as God's purposes for your life. If Satan can convince you that demonic faith it all is all it takes, then again, he would have won. Dear brothers and sisters, as we wrap up today, I want to encourage you. Let not our faith be dead faith only. Let not our faith be demonic faith only, but may our faith in these challenging times be dynamic faith, the kind of faith that obeys in spite of consequences. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Please let it continue to walk and move in our hearts and continue to stir us, O God, unto obedience of these words that we have received. For Jesus' sake and for the edification of the brethren and ultimately the glory of your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online 
at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love. Thank you.